Good morning, Westside. It is great to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Daria Nardoza, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I've been attending this church for about 13 years now, so it's great to be here this morning. Uh, I'm also married to Matt, uh, who just led us in worship, and we have a five-year-old son named Gabriel. I also, uh, I also lead the West Island Network, which is a network of churches collaborating for the good of the community. Um, which is a really incredible network. Uh, I have the opportunity to work with a bunch of churches and serve them as they learn to engage in the community. We have a Kate team, Community Action and Impact team, who just launched an amazing project um, to uh, help with hidden poverty in the West Island and help reduce it called Love Your Neighbors. Uh, and we actually just launched it uh, when COVID happened uh, with the top 10 ways to love your neighbors during uh, COVID-19. Uh, we also just participated in the Big Give on June 6th, which was really different this year, as you could imagine, uh, but amazing. Uh, we had a church that did bike repairs for free. We had a food drive. We had eight churches collecting food uh, that all went to four uh, food banks here in the West Island. Uh, we wrote cards to grocery stores and senior homes on behalf of all our churches just to say thank you and encourage them and let them know we're praying for them and appreciate them. We also made 124 gift bags uh, that went to seniors. Um, as we know, seniors are, uh, have been considered a pretty vulnerable population right now, and we wanted to find a way to encourage uh, and bless them in this time. And so 80 of these bags were actually uh, given out by Volunteer West Island. We partnered with them, and they gave them to their Meals on Wheels recipients. Uh, as well as Andrew, we have a, we have a new summer intern this summer uh, who's been amazing, and he's actually been in Cloverdale uh, visiting seniors and senior homes there and giving them these, these gift bags, as well as running soccer games uh, for the kids of Cloverdale. Uh, so yeah, this network is amazing, and as I stand here in this um, empty, closed church, um, I'm convinced, again, that the church is still very much alive and active beyond these four walls, um, and I'm just really thankful for that this morning. I also have a lot of gratitude for Westside uh, as they support the West Island Network, uh, both financially and in, in collaboration uh, in engaging in the community together. So without further ado, uh, we have been in a series of Psalm 23, uh, so we are going to read it together again this morning, and, uh, and I'm going to be talking about it. Um, but before I get into reading this, uh, for those of you who aren't too familiar with the Bible or the book of Psalms, uh, the book of Psalms is found in the Old Testament, so that's pre-Jesus' time. Uh, there's 150 Psalms, and Psalms are uh, poetry, uh, prayers, and songs written to or about God. Um, King David, it is believed, wrote Psalm 23. Uh, he wrote about 73 of the Psalms. And uh, he was actually a, a poet, and he played the harp. Um, so this is Psalm 23. Feel free to read it aloud with me. Sit down, stand up, uh, close your eyes, uh, whatever you would like. I'm reading it from The Message, uh, which is a pretty contemporary version uh, written by Eugene Peterson. So Psalm 23. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You, had bedded, you have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. 
Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So today I'll be talking about Psalm 23, verse 5a, and these are a very loaded 12 words. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, That's the NIV translation. So we're gonna look at the application of this from a, a human understanding of a table, as well as the application from a shepherd's perspective. So when we consider the human understanding of table, I can't help but to think this is an invitation to relationship. So not quite uh, the table of me just finishing cooking dinner and yelling uh, to Matt and Gabe, hurry up, get the place, Matt's the forks, supper's gonna be ready in 30 seconds. Uh, That's not quite the prepare the table I'm envisioning uh, when King David spoke of this. Preparing a table requires effort. It requires going to get the tablecloth and for me to prepare it nicely. It requires maybe using my nicer dishes, uh, nicer silverware, nicer plates, uh, putting effort into what I prepare. Because for me, anyway, I love preparing a table, uh, but I, I want uh, for my guests uh, to, to come and to feel welcome, to feel loved, uh, that the food that I create for them um, would, would create that atmosphere of um, fellowship and good company. I think of my Auntie Tanya, who has kind of been one of my bigger inspirations uh, in preparing a table. And uh, I spoke to her uh, yesterday about her, her experience and why she loves preparing a table. She actually has five degrees, and her most recent fifth degree was a doctoral degree in art history, and her thesis was uh, Frederick the Great's Porcelain Diversion and the Chinese Tea House. Now, I'll save you from Googling what that means, because I did read her abstract, but basically, uh, I gathered something about how Frederick the Great's pavilion inspired the design to decorate the 18th century table of nobility. So, to sum that up, she has a doctorate degree in preparing amazing tables. And I have some pictures of some of her tables that you will see. And she says, when I prepare a table, I want them to come and enjoy every part of the meal. I want them to experience the meal with all their senses, making every detail important, from the lighting to the flowers, the smell, the taste, and all the beauty that surrounds them. And preparing a table is a very individual event, she would say. Uh, It's like a theater production that's never gonna happen again. Uh, She would say her her stage is her table. And she said, I want my visitors to enjoy every moment, every aspect of my preparation, presenting the nicest that I have and that I am able to give to someone. And she wouldn't say it's about uh, boasting in her incredible creativity. She would say it's about giving what I have to somebody else. Uh, And all this because she loves them and cares for them. 
And so when I, when I said that to her, I was like, so yeah, you, you do this out of love, right, Auntie Tanya? Uh, and she said, I certainly wouldn't go through all this trouble for someone I didn't like. Um, so yes, preparing a table is something we do in love, in invitation, um, and in hospitality. Another way the table is translated is feast. Uh, and like I just read in Eugene Peterson's translation of the message, he says, you serve me a six-course meal right in front of my enemies. This language reminds me that when we feast on a six-course meal that God has prepared for us, he's showing our enemies and all those that cause us to struggle, uh, all, the, all the things that cause us to struggle, that they have no hold on our life and that we are safe when we're in his presence. Like we have time to even be anxious or worried or anything when we're feasting in God, at God's table anyway. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it in full. And we see in the Psalms and through the teachings of Jesus that he came to give us an abundant life, a full life, as we experience that life at his table and those things that come against us and all of our enemies. And all they can do is come and watch God's goodness as we feast with him. Now the second perspective I'd like to talk to you about this morning is the sheep's perspective. Philip Keller wrote a book on Psalm 23 from the perspective of a shepherd. It's a really neat little book if you ever have a chance to read it. He explains that the high plateaus of sheep ranges called alplands or tablelands are often referred to as mesas. Mesas is also the Spanish or Kiswahili African word for tables. So Table Mountain in South Africa would be a perfect uh, example of a table like that. It's a, a flat tableland type mountain. Um, and he says, so it may be seen that David referred to as a table was actually the entire high summer range. Though these mesas may have been remote and hard to reach, the energetic and aggressive sheep owner takes the time and trouble to ready them for the arrival of his flock. So early in the spring, the sheep owner, the shepherd, would go up and start scouting out the land and preparing it for these, the sheep to come for the summer. And the sheep would follow him up there uh, into these high tablelands, which were abundant and uh, full of uh, great, I guess, food to eat and water to drink. Um, and he would prepare that for them. Uh, so reading from a shepherd's perspective, we understand that like shepherds prepare the tablelands for summer for the sheep to enjoy, God also prepares these seasons of blessings in our life that he just wants to give us abundantly when we trust and we follow him. And he does this in the presence of our enemies, showing that he is caring for us and we actually have nothing to fear. We also read right before this passage, actually John talked about it last week, that all that this passage about walking through the darkest valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, where God is with us and the rod and the staff comfort us, now to being up to these tabletop mountains. So we go, we have these seasons that, where we experience uh, valleys and these seasons where we experience um, amazing tabletop uh, encounters. 
Uh, and all this just reminds me that God is with us through every single season of our life. So when I was 22, um, I had just moved home uh, back from Toronto to uh, my mom's basement <laughs> back here in Montreal. Uh, it was a hard season in my life. Um, things in my family weren't great. My dad at the time was in Korea and wasn't doing very well. Um, my boyfriend had just broken up with me, who I thought I was going to marry that summer. Um, it, was, it was hard. I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. I had just finished my undergrad. Um, it was a hard, hard summer. And um, for me, my greatest way of prayer, because I think I'm a little bit ADD, um, is to, uh, to, to do art or to write or to do an activity. That's how I best experience God uh, in my prayer life. And so I decided that summer I was going to start painting through the seasons of my life. Now, don't judge me. I'm not an artist. Natalia, Abigail, Mama Sue. Um, I'm not quite uh, the artist you are, but uh, for me, this was uh, my, my paintings of my seasons. So I do not love winter, and so I painted uh, winter. That was the first season I painted um, where I told God all about the struggles I was in, and, um, and eventually I painted fall, and I painted spring. Um, and as, as life and, and seasons got better for me, I slowly started to, to paint and pray and, uh, and tell God about what I was going through. Uh, and I remember these three paintings being on my wall, and I remember that feeling of, you know what, summer has not come yet, but it's going to come. Uh, and eventually, it probably took me about a year, but eventually, I did. I painted summer. And, uh, and yeah, it was, just, it was just this reminder to me that God um, wants to journey through every season of our life with us. Um, it says in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And ups and downs and valleys and tabletop mountains are all seasons that are completely normal in life. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in closing, I want to acknowledge that uh, these last six months have been an interesting season for people. Uh, with COVID, we've experienced death, we've experienced fear, anxiety, uncertainty. Uh, divorce lawyers say they have never been busier before. We're experiencing brokenness. What I see um, in our Poverty Reduction and Social Inclusion Roundtable, uh, which is a, a table in the West Island I get to co-facilitate as part of my role with the West Island Network, I see community organizations struggling to figure out how to serve the vulnerable. I see food banks who are struggling to meet needs. My friend Mark, who is a, a mental health survivor, advocate, and peer support worker, uh, tells us that uh, crisis hotlines are uh, in crazy demand right now. Um, People who struggled with mental health in the past, uh, this season has been even more difficult for them. And people who have even never had mental health issues are starting to struggle with mental health. And I can only imagine what the post-traumatic stress is going to be like as we come out of this season. So I recognize it's been a difficult season for many. For others, this season has been rest, joy, a simpler pace, 
Uh, I've seen people uh, come out and serve the community in such incredible ways, which side note, by the way, in these difficult times, serving others is such an amazing way to create better well-being. Um, so we see, we see that, and we see this, this other season for, for others. So to close, I want you to consider uh, what season you're in. Which of these seasons are you finding yourself in? Now, winter's not my favorite season, so maybe for you it is, and it's a good season, and maybe that's your season. But, um, but yeah, consider what season you find yourself in and how you're experiencing God through the season. And to be honest, I think I experience God more in the valleys and in the winters and in the dark, hard seasons uh, than I actually do in those high tableland experiences. Second, um, I want you to remember that Jesus invites us to his table. Uh, he invites us into relationship with him, not just his sheep, not just the select few, uh, but he invites everybody uh, to come and to follow him. All we have to do is accept that invitation, and we have to show up. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Don't we all need that right now? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's amazing. And that's, to me, um, what I I have experienced in following Jesus. Um, And not not every season is easy and great, but I've definitely learned um, to have uh, rest in that faith. So I would love to uh, pray for us this morning as we close. Um, Thanks for taking the time to join us this morning. Uh, And from here, uh, David's going to lead us uh, into communion at the Lord's table. So I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for um, your faithfulness and that your faithfulness is new again this morning in our life. We thank, we thank you that you invite us to your table in the presence of our enemies and in the presence of our anxiety, our struggle, our fear, um, those things that come against us. Lord, you invite us uh, to rest with you, to be with you. And Lord, you are good. And we pray for all those this morning that find themselves in a difficult season or those who are feeling now really vulnerable in this season of life. Lord, we pray that this morning they would know your presence, they would know your peace, and that in this uncertainty, we would learn to trust you in ways we've never trusted you before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.